Welcome to Track to the Future, an Array Technologies podcast and your source for insight into utility-scale PV tracking innovation. We'll be discussing thoughtful engineering, plant reliability and performance, and new developments in solar tracking. Join us for industry trends, expert opinions, and more, lighting the way to a brighter, smarter future. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Track to the Future, a podcast from Array Technologies. Today's episode of Track to the Future is Rena and Array Technologies, analyzing CapEx versus OpEx tracker costs in modern utility-scale PV power plant projects. Our episode today includes guests from Rena Consulting and, of course, Array Technologies, who brings you this podcast series. First, let me tell you about Rena. Rena is an international independent engineering consultancy that provides a wide range of services in the energy, marine, certification, infrastructure, and transport and industry sectors. Rena employs over 3,900 resources in 200 offices in 70 countries around the world. Rena participates in many international energy industry organizations, all contributing to the development of new regulatory standards. From RENA, we have joining us Jose Luis Gallo Ibanez. Gallo is one of the leading technical staff in RENA's solar business with over 12 years of experience in the solar sector. Gallo has a broad range of responsibilities including conceptual design, design review, performance evaluation, and SCADA engineering of PV plants. Gallo is one of RENA's solar tracking specialists, typically evaluating tracker technologies for developers and investors. Prior to joining RENA, Gallo worked for five years at SunPower, designing and commissioning PV SCADA systems. He has a Master's of Science in Electronics Engineering from Seville University in Spain. From Array Technologies, joining us is Lucas Creasy. Lucas is the Chief Technology Officer and in charge of Array's technology development with a driving focus on growth through innovation. He has over 16 years of product design, development, and engineering experience. Prior to joining Array, Lucas worked in the automotive industry where he managed high-performing engineering teams and led a multi-million dollar pilot program, executing the world's first co-created self-driving vehicle. He has a bachelor's degree in manufacturing engineering from Western Illinois University and an MBA from Quincy University. Also from Array is Travis Rose, Vice President of Sales for North America at Array Technologies, and he's also going to be moderating this discussion today. Travis is responsible for leading, organizing, and directing the North American sales and project management teams at Array Technologies, and driving the continued success of Array's best-in-class solar tracker products. Travis brings over a decade of solar experience to Array, drawing upon his years of experience in previous roles at SMA America and Advanced Energy. He's committed to the relentless advancement of solar. Travis has a BA in Business Administration from the University of Texas and an MBA from Colorado State University. So Travis, you are leading this discussion today, so let me hand it over to you. Take it away, Travis. Thank you, Tyler. Appreciate it and appreciate the intro. Really excited to uh, to discuss this this topic with uh, uh, with the, the Arena team and the uh, the Array Technologies team. This is a a, a topic that uh, that comes up in almost every every customer conversation that we have our our customers are working to understand that the implications of of their system implications of downtime and significant lifetime costs of of corrective maintenance uh which can erode already thin map margins for for plant operators so i'd really like to 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 jump into it and maybe maybe starting with you gallo um tell us about this multi-year research project that that rena undertook um, what's the importance of it and uh, kind of what the process was in, in uh, putting this together. Sure. <clears throat> Thank you for 
for giving me the the word. Um, and thank you for for this invitation to to this uh, discussion. Um, so yeah, this uh, multi-year research. Um, I think this is a this is a type of um, assessment. Um, I think is part of the maturing the natural maturing flow of the solar industry. So um, we we have been offering to our clients independent component reviews to developers, lenders since a long time ago, especially during the, the boom uh, of solar um, and where factors were like less known. And, and we we have offered these services to to also directly to manufacturers, um, modules, inverter uh, manufacturers, to support them entering into the market. We of course approach uh, array technology and other tier one trackers, manufacturers offering this type of independent uh, component review service. But uh, um, I remember the a few uh, discussions with Array uh, Technology. We uh, a different independent assessment was agreed between us, and because of the the where we were in 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 PB the solar PB, what was solar PB really demanding, and and that was the evaluation of operational lifetime cost of trackers um, uh, to help. Uh, it was initially discussed with array technology because uh, to help uh, attitude to show their clients their the features of their tracker when comparing to other competitors so yeah this is a multi-year research um, um, that we we worked together and it was uh, uh, split into different phases in three phases the first one we defined a methodology uh, where we describe how uh, estimate operational costs and, and yield and the performance um, and that was going to be modeled for most uh, common single-axis trackers in the market. Then implement a tool uh, to perform quick uh, estimation, which was really the the main uh, Need that right technology at those times, um, and, and and also apply this assessment, this tool, on a specific case study. So, uh, answering to your question, it was a, a long process because uh, originally it was I think it was intended to be like achieved in six months, but uh, it almost reached couple, almost two years, and the. The original idea was to to define like a reasonably simple model to allow for quick uh, uh, lifetime cost estimation during the development stage, um, but it was not so simple to find a, like a wide enough um, but simple enough model. So multiple revisions and uh, and also the, the main point here is we we were acting always as independent engineers. So uh, probably this was one of the reasons that why it took so long, because we were discussing and there were multiple revisions of all, all these different stages of the assessment. And so it was not a simple task, I think I would say. Um, and we ended having like a comprehensive uh, model. Um, 
and also uh, answer, answering for what, why is important. I think that um, it's important to help um, stakeholders understand the importance of doing an um, OPEX uh, assessment when when selecting technologies, because um, it would be helping them to reduce risk. Um, they will have more visibility of what uh, is going to happen, and also they will also have um, something uh, which is not necessarily good for the supplier, but good for the the industry and in the end and, and for the for the owner which is that they, they will be able to negotiate as well with the suppliers because they, they know more what part of those costs move to the OPEX side. So Gal, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the word independent a couple times in your in your uh, your answer and I, I appreciate that. You mentioned it's an independent study and that, that Rena is an independent engineer. Can you um, go into a little more detail of of what that means and how does Rena work to maintain independence during your research? Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, what uh, we, we are a technical advisor and an owner engineer, independent engineer, as you said, in this sector in the renewables. Um, we the, the the that's what I said that this is a typical task that we will probably develop on. Our, our own, but it was uh, in this case uh, provided to a specific manufacturer. Right? So what we do, and this is like a natural thing of consultants, uh, is always to see things from the from the objective perspective. So we always see uh, evaluate the other sides of of the of whatever we're gonna compare, and 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 of course based. Um, together with our know-how and experience, we basically uh, try to deliver uh, an independent, um, in this case, tool assessment methodology, uh, which really accounts uh, equally the, the advantages, advantages and disadvantages of uh, the different uh, suppliers and technologies. Thanks, Gallo. And, and Lucas, in your position as, as CTO at Array Technologies, why is this uh, this this independence important when uh, when Array Technologies is, is partnering with a with an engineering firm? What does that what does that bring to uh, to us as we uh, as we go through this this report and these tools? That's a great question, Travis. I mean, the primary thing I see it brings us that that spirit is it's not just Array trying to sell someone on their their one technology. It lets an independent, very vetted analysis come forward that shows the true differences between choices a customer can make and the technologies they're in and, and really removes that am i just being sold by a company but it really a third party saying here's the facts the facts speak for themselves you can make your best decision on those facts and let the uh, you know the best tracker win so to speak so i think that's really really valuable to, to really bring the credence to what this report that the arena teams brought forward shows and, and tells the tells the market Thanks, Lucas. Yeah, there, there's there's always a a bit of skepticism in in any industry, um, and so that 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 independence working with an independent engineer, um, non biased uh, type of, of engineer is 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 really important for uh, 
for our customers and for other other stakeholders in the industry to understand what's what's being presented and, and be able to uh, to rely that they're not getting any any bias type of of information. So I'd like to jump back into the to the research report that that Rena uh, put together and that that, that Gallo was was uh, walking through before. Um, Gallo, what what were the primary architectures for the uh, the single access PV trackers on the market today that uh, that your study uh, went into detail on? So we we focus um, the the assessment um, uh, and then the implementation of PV uh, tracks, which is the tool. Uh, on, on single axis trackers, not double, only single axis trackers, and uh, with uh, uh, mainly with um, single and multi road, so the centralized and centralized, and with the most common variation on 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 the on, of them, uh, whether in the transmission system, for example, in centralized we consider uh, push pull and rotational drive lines. Um, slow drive and linear actuator for single rows. Um, and then um, we, um, specific, those specific items which um, will probably vary with, with manufacturers, such as number of, of rows per tracker, of number, number of varying units, dampers, electronic, that, that would, is captured in the, in the, in the model. But uh, I would say that overall main main uh, architectures we we consider is the the centralized and centralized and the the main uh, transmission system that they typically use. Um, yeah, we expect that um, new technologies will come, so it may be required to update the methodology and tool. Uh, for, for instance, we, we have seen some hybrid systems, um, for example, like, like a centralized um, system with only two or three rows. And, and instead of having like a traditional uh, motor for this centralized system, they have like a slow drive, it's like a hybrid between single row and multi row. But uh, we, we have uh, recently um, assessed something similar in one project, and we were able to even this this is seen like with hybrid with our model still uh, with trackers seen a centralized system with an addition with an um um with a an old technology of motor which is already covering the single row very interesting thank you yeah, yeah most most of the time in the industry the 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 vast amount of of projects are looking at either either centralized tracker architecture, which is which is what array technology produces, or the decentralized architecture where there's a motor and electronics on every single um, and that that covers right now, you know, probably 90% of the the, uh, the the current projects. But it's it's great to hear that that Rena is looking at uh, future architectures and getting a good understanding of what the what the long term costs are, are on those and how they how they affect solar projects in the in the future. So for years, solar developers have, have focused on primarily on thing, and that's the, the upfront capital expense of their solar projects. And in some ways, this is understandable. It's a, it's a, it's a common impulse. But as, as solar PPAs uh, have come to you know, all-time high prices, the competition among EPCs to offer rock-bottom CapEx has even 
started to become more fierce. So, so Lucas, from, from what you're seeing in the industry, why, why has capital expenditure been the main focus of developers and EPCs in the past? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at it from the uh, the P and the EPCs, the procurement side, it's it's kind of a, a driving force to get the lowest price they can to ensure they're very competitive in that marketplace. That, as you mentioned, is is really fierce right now. But as you look at what the uh, results could be in in following that process, you know, the the lifetime of those products um, can be reduced. And I think it's having that clearer picture is the, the trend and change in the market we're seeing right now is understanding over the lifetime. What happens to the the rock bottom, you know, solution prices versus the ones that are, are built for the, the long haul? And I think it's making sure that, you know, the, the industry can be educated and seeing the long play and not just the short play with respect to landing the lowest cost for the tracker, but seeing the full landscape that's in front and the entire development of that particular project and what it's going to mean to the, uh, the end owner operator to have those assets for 25, 30 plus years now in operation. Yeah, I think fortunately the industry viewpoint's beginning to change. What what we see is more developers and, and financiers are are taking more of a, a longer term view of of equipment reliability and and what that what that means to their energy production and what that means to their to their bottom line. Um, Lucas, kind of to continue on down down this this road, um, can you discuss how design phase plant components uh, and those the choices that are made on on those uh, plant components? how they affect things like uptime, um, risk to the project, operations and maintenance of the project, which are which are real costs, uh, warranty considerations, and real, really how all of those those considerations ultimately roll into plant profitability over the 30-year the lifespan of a, of a PV plant. Yeah, it's good, uh, good points in there, Travis. So let's start with uptime. You know, selecting a product that gives you the maximum uptime is certainly the uh, the primary driving focus here. And with uptime, you have to look at those types of components, the sensitivity of those components in the failure chain of that product that may be more prone to wearing out, failing over the lifetime. So you're going to you're going to look at those pro components that are built in that have a mean lifetime failure. that's maybe less than the actual lifetime of the asset. The more of those components you have, the more times the particular solution may be going down, which means loss of energy, more rolls of trucks to the site to fix it, and overall cost goes up, right? It's just kind of the, that's the natural life cycle events that's going to happen there. You look at that, how it folds into risk, risk for energy loss, but certainly risk during more severe weather events. If there's certain key sensitive components that have failed and those sensitive components are a requirement for your tracker to maintain its safety in high wind, for example, your risk goes up and you're just rolling the dice if you may have an event that happens somewhere along the lifetime that uh, could potentially damage your, your overall asset. And then operates and maintenance. You know, certainly there's an understanding, I think, throughout the industry that most systems require some level of preventative maintenance. It's understood. These are mechanical systems. They require some touch points. Certainly, most companies want to reduce those. But it's beyond that, those those more variable costs that come from, you know, failed power supplies, batteries, other controllers, that you really have to dig into the details there and understand how you can limit those and ensure that your assets is as up and running as often as it can be and reduce the number of truck rolls to a site that you can have uh, during your operation period. 
and warranty, you know, yeah, you, you got to have a good warranty as a product in our industry, but what you can show your customers, the primary driving factor here is least number of touch points, least times of touch points, meaning you have a very robust solution that even if it's covered under warranty, isn't going to require the, uh, the providing company to come out and solution it or address it if there are issues. If you look at, you, you roll those together, and I think this is a great about kind of how the the, the Rena study, the PV tracks tool does this. You roll those together, you can really show that if you compare all those potentials, you know, opportunities, if you will, along the way of a, a tracker's lifetime, fewer sensitive components, fewer corrective maintenance events, you know, bringing those lifetime repair hours down really shows you have a, a really reduced cost of ownership over the life of that asset. And that's really, really attractive to, you know, EPCs, owners and operators alike. So thanks for that, Lucas. And and, and Lucas mentioned uh, PV tracks uh, previously. In, in conjunction with the report that uh, that Rena introduced, uh, PV tracks, which is a, a a really important, innovative new assessment tool that that helps developers, lenders, owners, EPCs better understand how their their choice of of tracker and other solar project components impact their project's lifetime and the the the, the project owner's uh, bottom line. Was uh, was introduced, um, Gallo. Maybe you can can walk us through what what PV tracks is and what uh, uh, what what value it brings as a as a costing tool to the uh, uh, to the industry and to to uh, to stakeholders in in solar PV plants. Yeah, so PV tracks um, is basically an implementation uh, of of the PV tracker lifetime cost methodology into a practical tool. It's a Microsoft uh, Excel-based uh, spreadsheet um, with uh, VBAs and, and allows to compare um, OPEX uh, of different single-access trackers um, suppliers um, and also provide some project financial metrics uh, such as uh, levelized cost of energy, net present value, um, so you can compare how the project LCOE and NPV will be looking. Um, so the value is, um, as I mentioned before, is give, gives uh, owners more visibility um, on operating cost, um, potential uh, plant and the performance uh, under certain ONM assumptions, um, and probably power to negotiate with different suppliers tendering for, for the project. Um, yeah, but also will also help the industry to to know more what's happening and what's gonna happen uh, when we're looking for for the 25, 30 years of lifetime of, of the of the project and, and to be ready and prepared uh, of um, what you have to do in order to, for, for the investment to to be profitable. And with PV tracks, Gallo, um, would a uh, would a site operator or a site owner be able to to do comparisons between, let's say, a their choice of tracker or their choice of, of other other solar components to see how that uh, that impacts the the lifetime cost of ownership? Yes, we we have um, PV tracks. Uh, when you you, you first uh, use PV tracks, it comes with like a. Uh, case scenario are like a sample um, with inputs for, for you to see how modeling will be uh, looking like. 
but uh, yeah, you, if you are um, an owner who knows about this sector, you should be able to input uh, different because uh, it's a, like a it's a very I would say comprehensive uh, input uh, sheet that the, the the spreadsheet has. So you need to know a little bit how uh, the architecture of different trackers work. Um, so with that knowledge uh, or some guidance on how to use the tool, you should be, you should be able to to run some simulations. We um, one of the tools that uh, sorry one of the inputs that is in, uh, required for the for the assessment is the yield. Um, so it's something that will be changing depending on the on the project design and location. So that's something that but that, that's something that is very well known. Um, there should be some uh, um, ex expert within the the, the owner company able to provide that those figures because it's, a, it's an input for the tool which has to be calculated with a separated uh, third-party uh, software. Um, we think that it's a good uh, tool to have for internal assessments, but um, we recommend uh, when, when it comes to a project which is going to be real, in the, a consultant, an independent party to to run this this model for, and probably it will be sometimes required for by by lenders. Even if you have the tool, even if the tool has been implemented by an independent party, you need to input certain values and figures and, and make some assumptions on on how an operation and maintenance is going to be, etc. And cost. So. Uh, this is something that we recommend an independent party, an independent consultant, to to be uh, performing. Yeah, and, and Gallo, I I love that you keep bringing up that uh, that this is an independent report. That your recommendation is to have a have an independent uh, party use use the, uh, the the PV tracks costing tool to to find the results because it really the independence of this takes out takes out all all bias and just focuses on the data and the uh, and the true costs and I, I can't express how important that is for for site owners and, and especially long-term term term owners to to understand without bias independently what their what their true costs are going to be for the 30-year lifetime of the uh, uh, of their projects because that's that's real money to the bottom line that's that's uh, that's money that uh, that they're putting into to their to their performance to their income statements around these these uh, these projects. And the better they, that uh, that owner operators can can understand what that what that cash flow looks like, the better they'll be able to operate their their site, and the better they'll be able to to monetize their site. So that that independence without without bias, I, I appreciate that you continue to bring that up because that's just just such a such an important factor in uh, in both this this costing tool as well as the, the the solar industry as a whole. Well, this is all the time we have for on this episode today. So please join us for episode two on the importance of understanding a PV plant's tracker lifetime costs. Thank you again so much for joining us.